Donald Hall, mayoral candidate for the city of Olive Branch. You're listening to my favorite podcast, OB Pod. This is Ken Adams, Olive Branch mayoral candidate, and you're listening to my favorite podcast, OB Pod. Afternoon, Cash. Afternoon, Zach. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm pretty tired, but feeling pretty good about it. The weather's just been so good, it's hard not to have just that natural energy. Uh, yeah, the weather is... The weather is rather unique. You know, today is absolutely gorgeous, and yesterday was kind of cool. So. It's like 57 throughout I, the entire day. I know it. You know, like I tell people all the time, if you don't like Mississippi weather, wait 10 minutes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how, so how was your week? It's been kind of a blur. It's a little bit of a change in work schedule, and I've just been sitting here like, what have I done all week? And get off at three, go play a little disc golf, and get right back on air for radio. I hear you, man. I know what you mean when you say busy. It's been pretty slammed around here. I have been working my tail off, trying to wrap up school, doing all a bunch of administrative stuff. Um, but also, this week has been really busy when it comes to the idea. That I've got to talk to so many people and do some special recordings and things. I feel like this is one of the episodes we worked our hardest for. So many people have contributed, and you know, and I just think that this mayor's Q and A we have towards the middle of this episode is just going to be really, really enjoyed by most. It was great to meet new people and just be able to get these recordings from them, talk to them, and hear what they wanted the mayors to talk about. And then also, we got to meet both of the candidates again and take a nice little photo op with them. We'll let the people decide if it was nice, though. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the photo op, go figure. Um, you know, we went over to the Olive Branch Courthouse and I got to sit out there and uh, talk with both Ken and Don and took some pictures. And uh, we're going to, you know, as you see probably on Facebook, if you follow us, uh, it was great. These are two guys who just absolutely have no qualms towards each other and we're more than happy to come out and we had a great conversation. And you'll see that when you get to see these uh, this Q&A we have later on. Yep. And then shout out to the Wesson House again for a fantastic concert series. It's a shame it was only a month long, but it was nice to see him set up and just hear how good the acoustics are right there in that area. You're No doubt. I mean, that stage was awesome and, and what a great crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was awesome. Like we tell everybody, guys, this is a great place to live. And if you're looking to buy a house in this area, there's nobody better than using Team Couch, and that is Team Couch of Birch Realty. Our friend Brian Couch is the head realtor of the team, and they do a phenomenal job. It is a full-service realtor company. That means there's no part-time, no, they work a regular job and get to you on their downtime or anything like that. Because isn't that one of the most frustrating things whenever you are in the market and your realtor's like, well, I can't meet you then because I'm working my other job? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, which don't get wrong. I mean, everybody has their life, and everybody has to do different things, and sometimes this is, you know, a part-time gig or, you know, a second gig, however you want to look at it. But in today's market, as hot as it is or as tight as it mm -hmm. is, this is not one to take chances. I think you need to have a realtor team that is well-known, that is over the top uh, with experience, closings, knows what how things work, can manage every kind of contract, every kind of real estate deal you can think of, and will make sure you don't fall in one of those pitfalls, traps, or speed bumps that cause a lot of problems or possibly means that you would lose the contract or what you're trying to buy or sell. Don't take a chance with this kind of stuff. This is the kind of market this team does really well with. So go check them out at their website, and that is teamcouch.com, or you can call them at their phone number, which is 1-662-449-1700. And since you already have them on the phone, make sure you ask about the free market analysis so you know what you're supposed to be getting before you even put your house on the market. All right, guys, it is that time of the episode. We're going to do our motivational message, and this one's kind of close to me or 
personal to me, as you say. Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, my hero growing up. I'm not afraid to say it. I always enjoyed watching his movies and TV. Uh, it was always impressive. I was that kid who wanted to be, you know, big and muscular and impressive. And trust me, it never happened. I mean, you were like one for three. Not, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I-, I wanted to say is that if you look at his story, take out the negative naysay, but there are not many people out there that have a better success story. And I think when he speaks about being successful and how to live your life, he is someone that you should follow. And I think this message uh, follows right along with that. And I think it's something we all struggle with. And so without further ado, here it is. It drives me crazy when people say they don't have enough time to go to the gym for 45 minutes a day and work out. Or to do something for 45 minutes to an hour a day to improve. If it is physically improve or if it is mentally to improve. Imagine you read one hour a day about history. How much you will learn after 365 hours in one year. Think about if you study about the history of musicians, of composers, how much you would know. Imagine if you would work on the business and some business that you want to develop every day for an hour. Imagine how further along you will go and get. So it drives me nuts because we have, when people say we don't have the time, we have 24 hours a day. We sleep six hours a day. So that gives you still 18 hours. There's someone shaking their head out there in front to say probably, I don't sleep six hours, I sleep eight hours, right? But just sleep faster. So with 18 hours a day, the average person works around eight to 10 hours. So let's assume it's 10 hours, so we have eight hours left. Then you travel around an hour a day, maybe two hours a day. So now you have still six hours left. So what do you do with these six hours? What do you do with these six hours? Then we eat a little bit, then we schmooze a little bit, talk a little bit to people and all that stuff. But you can see how much time there is available if you organize your day. So you got to work hard. I mean, let me tell you something. When I went to America, I went to college, I went and worked out five hours a day and I was working on construction because in those days in bodybuilding there was no money. We didn't, I didn't have the money for food supplements or anything. So I had to go to work. So I worked in construction. I went to college, I worked out in the gym and at night from 8 o'clock at night to 12 midnight I went to acting class four times a week. So I did all that. There was not one single minute that I wasted. And this is why I'm standing here today. I can assume some people were going to be a little bit nervous. Like the governor is going to say something inspiring, but you hear him talk. And then, like you said, you think about his story coming from Austria, 
poor, dirt poor, as he makes it clear in that speech. And then he rose to the highest level of government a foreign person can have in the United States. And if you can be inspired by that and look at how he views not only time, but instead of saying sleep less, he says sleep faster. I know it's a little bit of a funny thing, but having that kind of positive attitude can really change your life. You're right on point with this because everything he said makes sense, but it's all a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, if you choose to be better or you choose to manage your time and choose to have goals and visions and want to achieve them, this kind of gives you a blueprint. And uh, so I was really tickled we were able to find this one and use it this week. No, I thank you for sharing that with us. And I can see why he's been such an inspiration in your life. Speaking of vision, there is a company that supports our podcast that is Michael Hatcher and Associates, and they have been a company that lives by hire for life. If you are looking for a job or really a career, a life-changing situation that will help you for the future, this is a company to consider. They have several great positions available right now. Too many to list. You need to go to their website right now and look at HatcherLandscape.com and check out all this stuff. They have so many great opportunities. They have been a fixture of Olive Branch for a long time. They really, really help our schools. Last week, I talked about how they have donated time, resources, and labor to help out even Center Hill High School. They've helped out other schools in the Olive Branch area. They help build our community. This is a place you want to work for. Please go check them out. Or if you want to, call their talent acquisition manager, Gabby, at number 662-755-3207. And see for yourself what you might be missing. All right, it's time for those announcements. Announcement one is, guys, first of all, this is a pivotal week. This is the week leading up to the election, which is on Tuesday, June 8th, and we want to encourage everyone to go out and vote. There is nothing worse than seeing alderman, mayor, or any elected official winning by just a five votes, a hundred votes because turnout was so poor. Uh, Olive Branch is synonymous for having low turnout. I really feel like that this year between the mayor's race and several other key races that we should have a much better turnout, but I really want you to encourage anyone and everyone go vote. This is a great opportunity to be an amazing citizen for our city. And if you're curious or just don't know where you're supposed to be voting in Olive Branch, make sure you check out our show notes and we will have where your voting station is for all six wards. Our next announcement is, it's official, the Olive Branch annexation is over. As of Friday, May 28th, Olive Branch city limits have been expanded, and it is about 18 miles. OBPod contributor Bob Bakken has a fantastic article at DeSoto County News. It's going to encompass everything that has taken place with this annexation. And of course, you can go back and listen to some of our previous episodes covering this and we even have a back with bob on some of those episodes but you'll be able to find the link to his article in our show notes absolutely now before we move on is it a little surprising to you that no one decided to appeal appeal there we go you know it really is because there were so many people that talked about how this was not the end the fight wasn't over and everything else and not a single individual entity city or anything made an appeal and poof there it is it's a done deal i mean i'm happy that it's over and we're able to start seeing some concrete plans put but it was just a little odd to me because like you said we even had numerous phone calls with people saying how upset they were. 
Yes, and um, I don't know, but you know, it's time to move on. It's not you can't sit there and cry over spilled milk. Uh, it is what it is, and those people should hopefully start getting services and being covered by different things uh, rather than quickly. Now, and, unfortunately for them, they cannot vote in this upcoming election because you must be a resident for thirty days. Well, isn't that just right? <laughs> Our next announcement is is a big one. The Homer Skelton family has made a generous donation to the Olive Branch Police Department this week are going to purchase body cameras for every single police officer on the force. I think we should say a huge thank you to the legacy of Homer Skelton and his family. Yes, for the owner's birthday, or I guess the founder's birthday, they decided to make this donation to the Olive Branch Police Department. Seems like kind of a reverse gift, but hey, I'm all here for it because I think we can all feel a little bit safer knowing that we have these on every single officer. Our next announcement is Ivan Rodriguez, who is suspected of the triple homicide of Tommy Lynn Carrier, Tyler Glenn Lyles, and John Lennon Sutherland, has been released on a $50,000 bail. If you recall, there was a triple homicide back there on New Year's Eve, and it caught a lot of attention and caused a lot of emotions, and so this is very surprising. We're going to reach out to a few people and see if we can get any more information about it and see what is going on. Uh, And if we get any more updates, we'll definitely let you know. Today is Memorial Day and it isn't just a day off for many Americans. It is a day of solace and remembrance. If you want to honor some of our military veterans, feel free to join the Olive Branch community as they honor 200 veterans and their families at Blocker Cemetery. This is located at 9441 Pigeon Roost Road. It will take place from 9am till 1030am. You can even tune in to OBTV live on Comcast. It's going to be on Channel 19 in Olive Branch in Bridgetown or on your Roku TV as the OBTV app. I think it's just fantastic that we have a community that is here to recognize their veterans. It really is, you know, and it's just another example of why Olive Branch is just so special. Um, and I'm, it, it makes me privileged to say that we're residents of the area and that uh, people really come out in droves for this kind of thing. And so it's good. It's another good, it's another example of how our community and even Mississippi in general really steps up when it comes to these kind of situations. And just finds a way to come together and not separate. And our last announcement is the OB Festival will be on Saturday, June 12th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Olive Branch Park. There will be vendors, food trucks, pet adoptions, church tents, and the one and only Bob Marr Classic Car Show. The event will be free, and the first 60 vendors to sign up will also have free spaces. No entry fee for the car show, but donations to the DeSoto County Dream Center are accepted. Please make sure you come out, guys. Cash and I are planning on being there. We look forward to shaking hands, meeting and greeting people, and this will be great for the community because I can tell you, we just got through with the A-Fair a week or so ago, and there was over 10,000 people who showed up and, and and Hernando, and it was awesome. It was absolutely fantastic to see that many people enjoying such a great event. And I really think this has the opportunity to become Olive Branch's A-Fair, and there's already talks about expanding it to the entirety of the park next year. So make sure you come out, meet all of the other people in your community so they have a reason to make this bigger and even better next year. Now, guys, if you follow us on Facebook, I posted an article or a post, as you say, about Brian Rowe. Now, he is the owner of DeSoto Cleaning, and he shared a story where he was doing a job at a facility for the elderly in Germantown, and he was able to touch the heart of one of the residents that hadn't been seen in a long time. And I just want y'all to know that this is the kind of individual that runs DeSoto Cleaning. His company serves Olive Branch in the DeSoto County area with this kind of spirit as wanting to help people. This is a 
great place to get all of your cleaning specialty needs done. They specialize in tile and grout, hardwood, and they do steam cleaning carpet. It's unbelievable. If you check out their Facebook page, you will see many videos that show their before and after that will make you a true believer. This is one you want to use. And so if you have anything that needs to be clean and need a professional and really just don't want to spend the time and money, which could be a lot of money going and renting your own equipment and a heartbreaking or backbreaking work, I definitely encourage you to go check them out. Bonus, and if you mention OB Pod, you get a 15% off your bill, or if you are an educator, first responder, or in the military, or former military, you can receive 20% discount. Please go check them out at their Facebook page, that is DeSoto Cleaning. Now also, guys, if you are living in this area and for some reason you have a house that some people would consider trash, damaged, busted, uh, maybe it was bequeathed to you in a divorce or death of a loved one, whatever that situation is, and you really just don't want to fool with it, don't want it on your hands, want to get it really quick and see what kind of cash you can get for it, and you really are kind of skeptical about you see all these signs on the side of the road and commercials and other radio advertisements saying, we buy houses for cash now, and, and you always feel like it's a rip. What if I told you there's a company that's local right here in DeSoto County who does this kind of business, but they don't do it in that kind of manner. They are honest and fair and will not waste your time and they're not trying to scam you. This is a company that really, really wants to do right. And not only that, they try to revitalize every house they buy. They turn some into rentals or they turn other ones into sell houses. And every single one of them is done to a high standard to make sure it improves the community. What better than that? So please go check them out. They have a website called iBuyDeSoto.com. It is ran by Abby and Spence Rodman, who are fantastic people and friends of ours. And trust me, this is one you don't want to miss. That's going to wrap up our announcements, and we have a terrific show ahead. We have Ken Adams and Don Hall answering your questions. This is something you're going to want to hear before you go out and vote on June 8th. But before we get there, Zach? We have our Fact of the Week, who is brought to you by Rob Long of the DeSoto County Museum, which is located in Hernando on Commerce Street across from Area 51 Ice Cream Shop. A Fact of the Week is... Pigeon Roost Road, which is now old U.S. Highway 78, was so named because of vast numbers of passenger pigeons, which regularly roosted and nested in trees along the sides of the road. The passenger pigeon was a graceful and elegant bird which resembled the morning dove in coloration and appearance. Although considerably larger in size than the dove, it has been said that the passenger pigeons gathered in great numbers in the trees along the Pigeon Roost Road, and that frequently large tree limbs would break and fall under the weight of the birds. <laughs> it also reported that the birds flew in flocks from one place to another. The sky would grow dark with the birds as the sun would appear to have gone behind a cloud. Unfortunately for the birds, they were quite tasty and also quite accessible for the newly arriving white settlers. These pigeons became a favorite food of people all over the newly formed United States, and as a result, the passenger pigeon was slaughtered into extinction. The last known specimen of the passenger pigeon died in 1914. Wow, that is a lot to take in. <laughs> that is truly sad. But, wow, that's as tough. As, as soon as you said that they became a quick, tasty treat, all I could think of was Aria making that pigeon pie for old Walter Frey. Just being like, oh, this is the last one, buddy. Oh, no. My first thought went to the uh, movie 300, which is one of my favorites, Zack Snyder's real deal movie, is instead of, you know, arrows will blot out the sky, it would be, it would just be the, <laughs> the pigeons, pigeons blot out the sky. 
I don't know why I went there, but hey, whatever. Oh, man, that is a great thought. Just a set of arrows. You're seeing pigeons dive bobbing on top of the shields, feathers going everywhere. Just a catastrophe. But thanks again to Rob Long for a great fact of the week. We really appreciate it. All right, guys and gals, we've gotten to the meat and potatoes of our podcast, and this is one we're very excited about. Instead of doing normal interviews with candidates, which we already have with Ken Adams and Don Hall, we decided to reach out to our community and ask the community to give us questions they thought were appropriate for both candidates running for mayor to give all listeners a better format to understand the vision of each of these candidates. So what you are about to hear is, is that we have got 13 citizens who have called in and recorded a question, and each candidate will respond to that question with their answer and only that answer. And we will alternate each candidate so that it makes it fair and so that one candidate is not always starting or one candidate is always finishing. And at the end, I present a scenario with both candidates so they have an opportunity to have their final comments. I think you're really going to enjoy this format. I think it's really going to tell you uh, how each candidate thinks. And something you need to know is, is that both candidates do not know what the other's answer was. This was not a debate. This was truly an opportunity for them to speak their opinion on some really good questions that the citizens wanted to know of Olive Branch, and we really hope you enjoy this. Now, with all that being said, here is Lindsay with our first question. Hi, my name is Lindsay. If elected as our new mayor, what would you say is the most important thing that needs to be addressed for improvement, and why? This is Donald Hall. If elected mayor, I, I think the first thing that we have to address is transparency. We're not doing a great job informing or engaging our citizens about the governmental process. So part of my plan is to make sure that we are leveraging technology by live streaming all of our meetings so that citizens and members of our local government can be held accountable. Also, my administration will exhibit high levels of transparency in everything we do, and this includes balancing the budget, improving our infrastructure, and progress with economic growth and development. And so my top priority and one of the most important things is just making sure that we improve the transparency for our city. This is Ken Adams. My priority would be uh, to enhance the communication processes between the citizens and the city of Olive Branch. That is a must. Uh, I want to use social media. I want to make sure that our agendas and our minutes get out on social media the different happenings that are taking place around Olive Branch that involve the city. I want to make sure the citizens are aware of that. We want to stream board meetings on social media, such as Facebook, so the citizens can have not only one-way, but two-way communication with the city of Olive Branch. Uh, in the times we live in now, this generation, nobody wants to have to look through a phone book and try to decide which one out of 12 telephone numbers to call if they need help from the city. Uh, we want some automated processes in place, and, and we just want connectivity, uh, two-way communication, and just it, enhance the communication process because the other items that are critical, whether it be roads, amenities, and parks and recreation, all those type things are very important, but you can, we've got to have the communication process in place uh, for the city to know the desires of the citizens and for the citizens to know what the city of Olive Branch is doing for them. Hey, my name's Harry. My question is, with cities around us making improvements for tourism, such as South Haven's Silo Square, Snowden Ball Fields, and Hernando's A-Fair Farmer's Market, and Mississippi Live Music, what's your plan to make Olive Branch more attractive for tourists and current residents? 
the type of improvements that I would be leaning toward would be I've certainly pressed for a multi-purpose facility. I've spoken about that another time, I believe, on the OB podcast, but basically uh, an arena or, or facility rather to where one weekend we could have equestrian events. The next weekend we could have arts and crafts. We could have music. We could have sporting events. We just need an indoor multi-purpose facility that would meet the, the needs of citizens of all ages. I would continue to develop our parks and recreation. Uh, we've got some beautiful parks uh, in the city of Olive Branch, and I would continue to develop them, keep them clean, uh, and to make them where they're family-friendly, uh, to where people can come out uh, all hours of the day and enjoy the parks at Olive Branch. One unpolished jewel in our crown is the Olive Branch Airport. The Olive Branch Airport is an awesome facility. In other words, smaller airports, but as far as general aviation, we have the second highest number of takeoff and landings. We're behind Meridian, but the Meridian uh, facility also has the Air Force Base nearby, which uh, adds their takeoff and landing. So uh, from a corporate level standpoint, uh, we need to market our uh, airport and make it attractive for tourists and corporations to want to come into Olive Branch, but I would certainly work to revitalize Old Town uh, so that we could have amenities in the city of Olive Branch and uh, so people would not have to go to whether it be Memphis, uh, whether it be South Haven or wherever. We want those amenities and the entertainment opportunities and dining opportunities to be within the city of Olive Branch. Well, I believe one of the main inspirations that we can take from the city of South Haven is they have a vision and they know who they are. They want to be a city that's modern, attractive, and vibrant. Also, with those ball fields, they want to make sure that they are a city that has a lot of things for children to do. Olive Branch needs to update its vision. And my vision for Olive Branch includes creating a great place to live where our citizens can live, work, and play. We do this first by changing what we can change, which means that I'll be implementing a beautification program to bring beautiful landscaping our city to make sure that we also have beautiful walking and biking trails in our city and and most importantly eliminating litter and trash my economic growth plan addresses the other aspect of the problem by making sure olive branch is a desirable place for businesses to come when this happens the businesses create more things for the people in olive branch to do and more places for people in olive branch to go And we will make Olive Branch attractive to both small business and large corporations, ensuring that we attract good paying jobs to our community so that our city can continue to grow and thrive. Hi, my name is Jessica. Olive Branch has three of the best community schools in the state and seems to be the driving force for population growth. My question for you is, what is your plan to prevent those families from seeking organized kid activities outside of Olive Branch, as a majority of them seem to prefer South Haven and Collierville? This is a good question. My wife and I, we have five sons who either attend or have attended Olive Branch schools. And all of our sons have been very, very active. So I spend a lot of time coaching my son's teams in Olive Branch Park. So I definitely understand the frustration many local parents have because outside of Olive Branch Park, there's not really a lot for our children to do in our community. That's why I help bring in Excel by Five to Olive Branch. This is an organization that provides quality resources to kids between the ages of zero to five in helping them prepare for kindergarten. As mayor, I will continue to invest in programs to help our children both develop mentally and physically. 
I would do this by making sure that I partner with the local library and also the Soto County Schools to promote literacy and encourage kids to remain active in our community. Yes, we, we are fortunate to have uh, some awesome schools in the city of Olive Branch and the entire county of DeSoto. I do understand that some families do seek organized sports and organized events in other cities. Uh, the best way to deal with that would be I would want to analyze the citizens' preference to see what are they looking for, you know, what is a priority to them, to the majority of the citizens. You know, we can't do everything, but we need to prioritize uh, the top five, six things that the citizens want to see us do. I think I would absolutely get involved with benchmarking with other cities who have been successful uh, in providing these type activities to the public. And then I would also go back to the thing I talked about, I guess the last question would be I'd further develop our parks and recreation uh, and make that a priority. And also that indoor multipurpose facility, I believe that would help people have organized events, organized sports, et cetera, for actually people of all ages within the, in the city of Olive Branch. And that would give our residents things to do locally so they don't have to make a choice to go to Collierville or South Haven or Memphis uh, in order to meet those particular needs. My name is Deb. There were only 246 single-family unit building permits issued in 2020, which is down from the five-year average of 309. This is the opposite from neighborhood cities of Hernando and South Haven, as both are showing increased growth. Why do you think this is, and what are your thoughts on whether it's positive or negative for Olive Branch? It is interesting that the number of permits issued were actually down in 2020. Personally, I think that ties to uh, several things, and I don't know that it's either positive or negative, to be honest with you. One of the things is a lot of people don't realize that in Olive Branch proper, within the city itself, there's not a lot of areas left to develop. I was at a recent board meeting and a presentation was made that uh, reflected we only have, at this current time, we only have 100 developable lots within the city of Olive Branch, only 100. So if you don't have the, the, the land and the space and the green areas to develop in, then obviously your permits are going to be down some. Not defending the city, but I think that probably factored into the city wanting to annex and, of course, as of midnight last night, the city gained 18.4 uh, miles uh, through the annexation hearing, and Chancellor Litchard had awarded that. Uh, no appeal took place, so that went into effect midnight last night. Police, fire, and emergency services for those areas began taking place. But, again, back to the question, uh, when, when people drive Haxcroft Road or they drive east of Haxcroft Road on Highway 302, even though they're no longer in the city of Olive Branch, at, as of yesterday, people felt like, were in the city of Olive Branch and they would see fields and undeveloped land and warehouses and large areas that uh, development could take place and people I think indirectly assumed that was Olive Branch proper but but it was not Olive Branch proper stopped at Haxcroft Road at that time uh, before the annexation plan went into effect uh, and people might not realize that uh, I sat through three days of the annexation trial and one of the key things again that people may not realize is the city of Olive Branch uh, was they were actually down to a very small percentage of land that could be developed, uh, as in less than 20 percent of land uh, in the city of Olive Branch was developable. Uh, so that's why that the city, I think, are one of the reasons they pursued annexation. But I also think it's one of the reasons that the permits for new homes were were down in Olive Branch, again, because they were just not as many areas left to develop. That and my second point is, coupled with a, a wave that's going on, not just in DeSoto County, but a, a national trend, as I understand it, uh, people are beginning to move to rural areas 
outside of city limits, and that would be uh, such as our, our Lewisburg area, Bridgetown areas, uh, down in, in those areas to where that's totally outside of the uh, city limits of Olive Branch, although they still enjoy some of the amenities. So there's been a push underway uh, even before the pandemic, but also during the pandemic to where people were choosing to build and live in rural areas instead of living with inside city limits. So I think uh, lack of availability of, of area to develop uh, was one key item. And secondly, the desire of many people nowadays to not live in a crowded area to live in a more rural area with more land uh, seems to be the wave of the future uh, so not necessarily good or bad but i think it's something we need to take note of and now that uh, annexation has been approved regardless to what side my i may come down to that uh, or somebody else may the chancellor has ruled and there was no appeal uh, so now it's time to look at those areas and see how they develop uh, and olive branches absolutely got to provide the amenities and the services required for those areas that, that the Olive Branch committed to the Chancellor would take place within a reasonable time frame. As a city planning commissioner, I've seen firsthand, and it's definitely a negative in my opinion. The problem is we have leadership in place that at times makes decisions that are popular, but are not necessarily the right decisions for our city. For example, we recently had a large residential housing development that followed all the guidelines of our 20-year approved comprehensive plan and would have been a great development for our community. The city planning commissioners, we approved it. We approved it because it was the right decision for the city. However, the board of aldermen declined it because it was not a popular decision due to politics. So I'm a public servant. I'm not a politician. And my promise to you is this. I will always make decisions, not for political gain. I will always make decisions for the good of the citizens of Olive Branch. This is Arjun. An old town is something unique to Olive Branch. Do you feel it is utilized enough or could it be improved to attract more commerce? If so, how? Well, the simple answer is no. Old town is not utilized enough and it can definitely be improved. I recently had a conversation with a developer who has plans to bring several restaurants to Old Town along with live condominiums, which will make Old Town more vibrant and more attractive to young adults. I've also talked to several business owners in Old Town who have given me ideas to approve the situation with Old Town being the heart of our city. Their ideas include improving parking and traffic flow, as well as improving and building facades. As mayor, I want to create an Old Town Advisory Board of business owners and developers that can work together to both modernize Old Town and also preserve is rich history. Old Town is certainly a, a unique area, and it, it's, a, it's a very positive area for our city of Olive Branch. I am a firm belief that uh, we are going to revitalize Old Town. I have met with a key developer uh, in the last few months, I actually met three or four different times with that developer uh, who has plans to add restaurants, who has plans to add uh, what we know as a live, work, and play community environment where people could could live uh, and work in the same area and play downtown as well as far as entertainment. Uh, the city is is strongly looking at making Old Town an entertainment district uh, so that uh, restaurants and, and bars and amenities would be added that would attract people downtown to Old Town. Uh, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I see the process, process is already beginning. Uh, and it's kind of the old rising tide lifts all ships or all boats, so to speak. And I think I think once this begins, 
I think some of the other shop owners may decide to uh, to join that plan and to be a part of the entertainment district and offer some of those amenities. We would never tell a shop owner, you know, what they should or shouldn't do with their business. That's uh, that's their business, so they can do what they want to do with it. But I think once they see the success stories that are going to take place with some of the development that I believe is coming very soon, I think others will get on board, and I think we're going to see uh, Old Town revitalized and full of energy, and I think it's going to be a a very positive thing for the residents of Olive Branch. And I think it's going to also attract outsiders to come in, uh, very similar to well, the way that uh, Como does. For example, people go down to Como on the weekends a lot, and they have a choice of three, four, five different restaurants, kind of a restaurant row type thing. And and I personally see some of that happening in Old Town, and I see us uh, having amenities for our citizens in, in Old Town, and, and I certainly look forward to it. My name is Rhonda. My question is, with growth comes traffic. Goodman Road and other areas are becoming more difficult to travel during large percentages of the day. Is there something that can be done from the mayor's office if you are elected? And if so, what? Yep, traffic is, is certainly a challenge in the Goodman Road area. I jokingly say sometimes uh, we don't have traffic problems at Olive Branch as long as I can stay off of Goodman Road uh, between Walmart and Craft Road. It seems like if I can manage to do that, then I'm, I'm out of traffic. And uh, it, it's not a joke that a lot of us, uh, we choose to go Church Road or maybe even State Line Road to avoid some of those areas. Uh, but, but it is getting congested. And uh, I think we have to step back and remember that Goodman Road or Highway 302, it is a state highway, and the state has control of that. However, uh, as the mayor of Olive Branch, I would collaborate uh, with MDOT, with Mississippi Department of Transportation. We'd make requests of them, collaborate with them on lights and timing devices, and, and, and try to find the very best way to control that traffic flow. It's one of these things where a city either dies or it grows. It either withers on the vine or it grows. And when you have growth and when you have amenities, obviously you have traffic congestion as well that goes with it. And uh, if you think of any city, whether it be Olive Branch, whether it be Oxford, whether it be Nashville, those cities, when they're in their growth pattern and when they are growing during those trends, uh, traffic tends to be an issue. But I would certainly work with the state and, again, work with MDOT and collaborate and try to get the timing of the devices down to where uh, we could actually uh, have reasonable traffic flow at some point we may need to look at some other surface roads uh, service roads rather that would uh, help alleviate some of that traffic because again that we i do understand it's uh it's, it's bottlenecked in that area uh, we need to address that also highway 305 uh, we know is high traffic area as well and i would make a plea to the state uh, go on record with them and try to get some help for highway 302 and highway 305 for our citizens well, there, there are a few things. So, of course, the growth is not a secret. We have projections that project out 15 to 20 years. And over the next 15 to 20 years, we know our city will grow about 15 to 20,000. So from the mayor's office, what preparation looks like is making sure that I'm meeting with the city engineer to discuss ways we can continue to improve our road systems to alleviate the high burdens of high traffic. We also want to make sure that we have strong relationships and are partnering with the County Board of Supervisors and the Mississippi Department of Transportation to get the resources we need to continue to improve all of our roads and streets. And infrastructure is key, and we have to have strong infrastructure to continue to sustain the growth in our community. So as mayor, I'll be committed to making sure that we continue to improve our infrastructure. Hey, my name is Cody. I have a question about zoning code. If you could change one thing about zoning, what would it be and why? 
as a city planning commissioner, I've approved zoning changes often. So I'm very, very familiar with the process. If I could, the one thing that I would change is making sure that we have smart zoning around our residential areas. There are some areas that are zoned light and heavy, industrial, and it backs up to our citizens' backyard. So this not only can affect the property value, but also it can affect that citizen's ability to sell a home. It also can disrupt day-to-day life with noise and high traffic, and this could lead to a decreased quality of life. So if I had one thing that I would change, it would just be to make sure that we have smart zoning. It's very difficult for me to drop down just to one thing. I actually have two things that I'd like to see addressed and that I would uh, be an advocate for and push for from the mayor's office. One, whenever we have a zoning change in a neighborhood, very candidly, if, if somebody's building two or more houses, I think we should implement a policy to where a large sign such as a four foot by eight foot sign goes up on that lot to tell the citizens that a hearing will take place in whether it be 30 days or 45 days uh, so that the citizens can come in and be involved in the public comments and be involved in looking at what's presented and have a seat at the table, so to speak. Uh, far too many times I hear of people that find out about some, something approved in their neighborhood or adjacent to their neighborhood, and they find out totally after the fact, after the, the board has voted and after the wheels have already been moving, and, and they find out at the 11th hour. So that's kind of, again, back to what I was talking about earlier, the communication processes to our citizens, uh, and again, back to maybe something like a large billboard that lets people know, hey, something is about to take place that could impact the, the character and the change of this neighborhood, uh, changes in the neighborhood, and I want them to have a seat at the table on the front end instead of coming in on the tail end for that. And then secondly, I, I attend basically every every board meeting. I've been doing this for a year plus, uh, and these board meetings, I want the citizens to take take part in the board meetings. And I, I noticed on a few occasions to where uh, if it's maybe a contested item, uh, the citizens have taken off work or they've readjusted their schedule. And then kind of at the last minute, the developer uh, requests and pulls the item from the from the board meeting agenda. And I understand that can happen from a business standpoint from time to time. But personally, I think if it happens uh, too often, as in maybe twice in a row or two out of three months, if something is put on the agenda and if the same item gets taken off the agenda and then placed back on the agenda, that's a little too confusing to the citizens. And it's almost uh, uh, smacks of, you know, are they playing games? So if, my point on that is if a person is uh, putting development ideas or zoning changes on the agenda, and if they take it off multiple occasions, then we need to look at some type of, uh, for lack of better words, a penalty box process to where maybe they have to sit out for six months and not put that item back on the agenda because I see that as unfair to the citizens who, who come in and expect something to be heard and they're told at the door of the of the uh, courthouse uh, you know, that basically it's not on the agenda tonight, you need to come back next month. So I think we need to do a good job in controlling that and be fair to our citizens and, and not let people put something on, take it off, uh, we should desire and, and want the citizens input on these items uh, without a doubt. So those two things. One, advance notice on the front end for our citizens to clearly know that something's taking place in their subdivision so they can take part, uh, such as the four-by-eight board, so to speak, that uh, signage that goes up. And then secondly, uh, when things are placed on the board bidding agenda, uh, if it's taken off one time, you know, so be it. But if it's taken off a couple times, then the developer should have to sit out uh, for a certain time frame before they put it back on the agenda because it's unfair to the citizens who want to be heard and want to have input on the proposed development. 
Hi, my name is Luke. Everyone likes to talk about roads and potholes, and every mayor says that they have a plan for such things. If you were elected, what would be your plan specifically? And if you were approached by a citizen, what would you say to him or her to make them feel confident that you would follow through? Yes, our, our roadways, I, we all know that they need some work uh, without a doubt. And uh, I think that what people may not realize is that we're going to be limited somewhat this year. And the reason being that the federal government has given some uh, monies tied in with the CARES Act. Olive Branch will, will receive a little over say, $7.5 million or approximately $7.5 million. However, that money stipulates that it cannot be used for roadway, for road improvement. And you might ask, why is that? Of course, that's what I ask as well. But then I found out that in 2022, next calendar year, additional monies are coming from the federal government, from the CARES Act, that specifies it is to be used for roadways. Uh, so a little bit of a, a holding pattern on that. But bottom line is I think help is coming. But what I would also do is make, make sure that people know that the city goes out and they evaluate roads one through five, uh, one being uh most need, the highest need for, for resurfacing and repairs, et cetera, and five being the, the least need. Uh, so what I think we would need to do, I'd like to see us put uh, an online kind of an interactive system to where a person can go on a website and look up their road, look up their street and and see when is it scheduled to be repaved and when is it scheduled to be have major repairs or when is it scheduled to be resurfaced. And for me as a citizen, if I'm able to do that, then I may not like that my road's not going to be repaired in six months. Maybe it is going to be at 18 months, but at least I know the schedule, and at least I know when my road's going to be repaired or repaved, and that would uh, keep the citizens in the know and let them, again, know what to expect from the city. So I'd like to see it uh, an interactive type thing to where people would know at what point they can expect their roads to be resurfaced. Now, the potholes and, and the road things that need to be addressed promptly – we just need to get busy doing that and find the funds to do it because I know whether it's vehicle damage or safety issues, driving a vehicle around rough roads and potholes, uh, those need to be addressed. But as far as resurfacing and uh, lanes and striping being made, et cetera, then if that has to be pushed back, and it sounds like it may have to be to a certain extent, at least see the time frame and the time schedule of their roads and their, their subdivision will be resurfaced and repaved, I think that would uh, be a lot more palatable than them just wondering, when will my road be resurfaced? Unfortunately, we haven't had any major road improvements over the last eight years. And so as I'm traveling the city, meeting our friends, neighbors, and citizens, I can tell you better than most that our roads could hardly be in worse conditions. The recent snowstorm uncovered a lot of efficiencies that we currently have. And the problems are not just roads. Also, we have over 300 leaks in our city to remedy as well. So my plan as mayor would be first to stop putting Band-Aids over the problems and actually fix them. In my administration, that looks like having a schedule of system for maintenance based on priority, not neighborhoods, and holding residential and commercial developers accountable to building projects that meet Olive Branch high standards to prevent future issues. LaFadra, I noticed you are a long-term resident here in Olive Branch, and I was wondering, what is your favorite place to go here in the city, and why? Easy, the Olive Branch Park. As I said before, I spend a lot of time out there coaching soccer, basketball, and track for my boys' team. And so I have countless great memories watching them all grow up 
And I truly love all the time that we spent at the Olive Branch Park. You know, we're fortunate in Olive Branch to have a lot of good places. And matter of fact, we're so fortunate that I have difficulty narrowing them down. I can tell you some of my favorite places. You know, we've got some favorite restaurants uh, that we love to go to. We also love to go to the city park. I mean, that that's our future, to see the kids playing. And I've got grandkids that play ball. And, and just to see them interacting at the city park, that's our next generation. We've got some awesome places of worship, houses of worship that – that of course, I enjoy going to my, my home church and other citizens enjoy going to theirs. We are a religious community to a certain extent. We're faith-based and uh, we all get a lot of support and we certainly enjoy going to our churches. But restaurants and churches and our city park, you know, restaurants, whether it's Old Charlie's or whether it's Rancho Grande on High Crossroad, I mean, there are just several good ones. We have some, again, restaurants in our our city park and our churches, uh, those are awesome places for me. And, and, of course, I have traveled all over the globe uh, on behalf of FedEx years ago, uh, and there's just no place like home. Most of us enjoy the solace of our of our home, and we're fortunate in Olive Branch uh, in a lot of areas. That once we get home, we feel like we're out of the hustle and bustle of, of a larger city, and we just enjoy the home life. Hi, I'm Karen, and I was wondering if you received a $1 million grant for the city, how would you spend it and why? You know, had you asked me this question yesterday, I would have absolutely said body cams. And I had said body cams for our law enforcement professionals uh, at a virtual uh, speaking that we had at Paul Brown Missionary Baptist Church earlier in the week. But but our good friends at Homer Skelton uh, have donated body cams as of yesterday to the city of Olive Branch Police Department. And that's an awesome thing that they did. They did that in memory of their, their founder in memory of, of Homer Skelton on his birthday. Uh, but body cams are very positive, and that's something that's going to protect the city, protect the citizens, and protect our law enforcement officers. So I would have said that as far as the $1 million yesterday, but uh, since that took place, uh, uh, we're very pleased with that. Uh, but my other items would be, again, I would have to put some on immediate repairs of roadways. Some of the potholes that, that we just simply can't tolerate anymore need to be fixed. But also, I'm a strong advocate of, of personal safety and personal security, so I would use some of the money for uh, some of our, our cameras, uh, also known as Sky Cops. I would have them in certain areas of the city, uh, be it our parks and be it some of the areas that are more crowded than others, uh, so that people can feel a, a sense of security and so that law enforcement can keep up with what's taking place. wish we didn't live in a society that we had to have so many cameras, but reality is we need to have some cameras uh, available to, to watch what's taking place and, and to help secure our citizens as they go to and from their, their home, restaurants, and shopping. Uh, so I would use that million dollars uh, for CCTV coverage to help protect our citizens, that being closed-circuit television coverage like sky cams, uh, sky cop cameras, and also for uh, some of our roadways to fix the potholes and some of the things that are terrible that need to be addressed before the long-term solution comes to resurfacing the majority of our roads. As a former banker, I know how to make a million dollars go a long way. And so first I'll start by investing into making sure that we keep our city safe by investing into our police and fire departments. I would invest to make sure that they have the resources they need to be successful each and every day. Secondly, I will start working on investing into our maintenance and repaving of our most severely damaged roads. This is a concern that I've heard countless times during my conversation with citizens. Next, I will start investing towards building a community center because our city needs a place for all of us to convene. Our children need a place to play basketball. Local groups need a place to consistently meet 
and the entire community needs somewhere to hold events. So that's how I would invest a million dollar grant. I'm Justin. How do you plan on involving residents in the decision-making process of government or, in the very least, keep them informed about our city's progress? Transparency, transparency, transparency. So when elected as mayor, it's key to get our citizens more engaged in the decision-making process so they know what's going on in our city and how we're spending their tax dollars. As I said before, I plan to leverage technology to make sure all meetings can be viewed online, as well as Olive Branch having a YouTube page where older meetings will be archived. There will also be options for citizens to opt into an email list where we will send out our board meeting agendas and updates on what's going on in our city. I would also do a regularly scheduled state of the city address to inform our citizens of our progress. Yes, this is a, a question that is uh, near and dear to my heart, and I've got a few acronyms. I guess uh, you know we're living in a society of acronyms, but I've got a, a CAB, a BAB, a MAB, and a YAB. <laughs> to explain those a little bit further to the audience, uh, a CAB, I want a Citizens Advisory Board. I've made that plain since uh, day one I began campaigning in January for this position of Olive Branch Mayor, of citizens that will come in and meet with me on a monthly basis and and let the city know the priority of things that they want to see done and things that they're of interest to them that they want to see take place. Government sometimes even not meaning to when they try to fix one thing, they break two other things because sometimes they're not sure exactly what they need to be doing. But I have no doubt if we have our citizens on an advisory board, they can help direct and tell us the things they want to see Olive Branch do that will help them and give them a better quality of life. Very similar, I want a BAB, a business advisory board, to where I have representatives from small, mid-sized, and large businesses in Olive Branch that meet with me in a monthly roundtable environment as well to let me know what the business community wants to see done by the city of Olive Branch, rather, and to get them involved. And they generally have some great ideas. They want to collaborate with the city. And sometimes businesses will even provide private funding to help see some things take place that need to take place. The MAB, the MAB, the Ministerial Advisory Board, I want the ministers or the pastors of our local churches to meet with me as well once a month and to let me know the things they want to see on behalf of their congregation. Uh, and then after that, I want a, a YAB, a Youth Advisory Board. And, and by youth, I'm, I don't necessarily mean anyone that's uh, under 18, so it might be better put that it's a Young Adult Advisory Board. Uh, our, our population of 20-year-old and 30-year-olds in Olive Branch is consistently growing. That demographic is growing, and they have a different desire and a different need than someone that may be in a 45- to 65-year-old bracket. Uh, so I want that young person, a young adult advisory board, in order to help direct and, and lay out the things they want to see done. And then lastly, I would like a, a city beautification board. Uh, city beautification advisory board to people that can can weigh in on things that we need to address uh, uh, that have, that are like minded that want to see beautification processes put in place uh, to make our city attractive and to make it look nice and to make it shine as people drive through our city. So I've mentioned about five five advisory boards and and I know we cannot do everything. We have to prioritize unless we ask our stakeholders, uh, such as our citizens and our businesses and our pastors and our young adults. If unless we ask them, we'll never know the things that they desire. So I want to, I want them to have a seat at the table and be involved in where the city of Olive Branch is headed uh, for the next year, for the next next generation. And I want them to to be involved in letting us know what the priority is at their level, and let us see how close we can get to to meeting their needs.
Hey, this is Caesar. You both have your focus areas for your campaign, but knowing that Olive Branch is a rapidly evolving city, what do you think the majority of the citizens want to see changed over the course of your term? You know, I appreciate the question, especially uh, the question being the majority of the citizens want to see changed. And I think that's important because we live in a, in a day and time where unfortunately we're we're somewhat divided politically across the United States. And uh, very candidly, we have some citizens on one, one end of the spectrum that would like to see government not do anything. They don't even believe that government should operate schools to educate our children. They are of the mindset that if it's not spelled out in the U.S. Constitution, that government shouldn't be doing it. And then we have another extreme a group of citizens that would like to see government involved in providing splash pads and swimming pools and all kind of advantages to the citizens. Uh, so my role as a mayor, if elected, would be to balance that to the very best of my ability to to balance that to where the majority of the citizens are, are pleased. Uh, kind of things that I'm, I'm thinking that are key priority as I hear as I go out and about, people must feel safe and secure while they're in Olive Branch. Uh, they they moved, many of them moved out of areas that were crime rates were increasing, and they do not want to see that in Olive Branch. They don't, they don't want us to be one of those cities where you get up every morning and turn the TV on uh, to see what senseless, useless murder happened the night before, and we don't want to become that city. So as a previous security director for, for FedEx and knowing how to create a, a safe and secure environment, uh, I can definitely be involved in providing a safe and secure environment and making safety priority. Uh, that was that's one. Secondly, people want us to protect their property values. Uh, most of the time, a home is if it's purchased uh, is one of the largest purchased, or most the highest level per- purchase that a citizen would ever make in their life. So they want us to protect their property values and make sure that as the city develops. Uh, whether it's around them or adjacent to them, that we develop it in a controlled fashion to where we increase their property values and not decrease their property values. We've talked a couple of times about roadways, where roadways need improving. It's not just an olive branch situation. Unfortunately, uh, around 60%, if I'm reading correct in uh, the readings that I'm doing, around 60% of the roadways and bridges across the United States are in need of repair. Uh, so olive branch is no different than that, but roads are, are very... Uh, key, and we need to make sure that, that they're repaired. Our citizens want amenities. They do not want to have to go to, to Memphis or South Haven. They don't want to have to go, go somewhere else for dining and entertainment opportunities. They want that in Olive Branch, uh, and I will help provide that. Definitely not least, we want all of these things our citizens do, and I do as well, but we want them all with no tax increase. Olive Branch is fortunate to enjoy the lowest Village tax rate of 38.5 of any of our major cities in DeSoto County, uh, lower than South Haven, Horn Lake, Hernanda, and we want to continue to enjoy that lower tax rate. But we also want to add amenities as well. So that's going to be a balanced balancing act. It has to be balanced, and and I will work to do that. Uh, there's no pot of gold in the sky, so obviously a city can't just do everything and anything. But I will work with the citizens and prioritize the things that they want to see done, and we'll get busy doing them. Good question. My campaign started with a listening tour in which I traveled the city of Olive Branch and did nothing nothing but listen to the people, hearing their concerns, and learning about their day-to-day problems. My platform and policy priorities are a direct reflection of those concerns. The most common grievances I've heard were about economic growth and development, infrastructure, maintaining city safety, and parks and recreations. Again, as I mentioned, I'm a public servant, not a politician, 
And my one true policy goal was to make sure that I'm serving all the citizens of Olive Branch. I'm Corderis, and I have noticed that you both have ran a clean campaign, and it is much appreciated. What is something you can say about your opponent that you personally appreciate? Well, first, I appreciate Ken running a clean campaign. Uh, we've had the opportunity to meet on several occasions. And he's a gentleman and a statesman, and so I'm very, very grateful that uh, we are both vying for the city of Olive Branch. I think, hopefully, that example can be used, continue to be used locally and also nationally. Also, one cool connecting thing with Ken Adams is that his daughter, Megan Stotts, taught my, my son in kindergarten, and, and she did an outstanding job teaching him, and we're very, very grateful for what she did. And as the saying goes, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and so we're very grateful for what Megan did. And again, I'm very grateful that Ken is, is running a, a really clean campaign. I had not met Donald Hall before he put his name in the hat, so to speak, uh, to run for mayor. And I, I do have a couple positive things to say about uh, Mr. Hall. He has a beautiful family. He has five sons, uh, a very, very nice-looking family. Uh, my daughter taught one of his sons at Pleasant Hill Elementary. And, and again, just a totally beautiful family. And, uh, and then secondly, just his desire. He's never ran for political office before, but his desire to seek public service uh that takes a lot of courage to do that, and I applaud his courage in stepping up to, to run uh, because many people who have not ever ran a campaign before simply don't have a clue the amount of time it takes out of your life, the amount of money and dedication and commitment that it takes. Uh, so for him to step up and make this run is very bold on his behalf. That's a positive, and again, his, his beautiful family, and, and I wish them uh, security and prosperity and uh, throughout this whole campaign and beyond. If you had an opportunity to run into a voter at, say, the Kroger parking lot there in Olive Branch, and they were truly 50-50 undecided, and you had about 30 seconds, what would you tell that voter to convince them that you were the right man for the job and so all of our listeners can hear the same? First and foremost, I would make a plea to the person, please go vote. If you live within inside the city limits of Olive Branch, please vote on June 8th from 7A to 7P. We're about 40,000 citizens strong now. We have around 27,000 registered voters. And I hope I'm wrong, but there probably won't be 3,500 to 4,000 people vote. So we need to get that voting participation up. So please go out and vote. And then secondly, citizens, the citizens of Olive Branch uh, should be looking at this just like they were interviewing a potential employee for a company that, that they own. Uh, being the mayor or being the CEO of a city the size of Olive Branch, uh, which is going to be probably the sixth largest city in the state by the time the uh, annexation is complete and by the time the census numbers come in. So a city that large deserves a, a CEO and the citizens should demand a CEO uh, as in a mayor that has not only government skill sets, but also corporate skill sets. And uh, so I would submit to them respectfully that after 38 years at FedEx, uh, and being a departmental director and managing several hundred employees and a multi-million dollar operating budget, uh, having retired from FedEx after 38 years of doing that, and then having served them professionally with integrity as justice court judge for 25 years, I believe it's a rare opportunity for the citizens of Olive Branch to get a person that has both skill sets, corporate skill sets and government skill sets. And I just encourage the citizens of Olive Branch uh, to take advantage of that. And I respectfully ask for their vote on June 8th. Well, I would tell that voter that my name is Donald Hall. I'm a public servant, not a politician. My experience as a city planning commissioner, 
as a small business owner and as a former banker has prepared me to take on the role as Olive Branch. And my commitment to the citizens of Olive Branch is always putting people over politics and making sure that I commit to making the right decision, push our city forward, and also to make sure that I'm making decisions to bring our city together. And I would thank them for the opportunity to serve. Do you think you're paying too much for insurance or you're tired of not actually getting an agent when you call? I think it might be time to switch to the home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Josh McIntyre is our local agent and supports our schools, our local businesses, community, and even takes care of all our insurance needs. That's home, life, and auto. Give him a call today, 662-893-5250, or visit him at his office at 6901 Cockrum Road, which is Highway 305. Is planning your summer getaway becoming too much of a hassle? Then reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher of Magical Destinations. Whether it's a trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or a tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destination is locally owned in Hernando, so give them a call today at 662-469-6304, or you can find them on Facebook or Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. Are you tired of an unimpressive lawn or need some help from a local professional to get your yard the way you want it? Look no further than Master Lawn for your weed control and fertilizing needs. Master Lawn has been serving the Olive Branch community and surrounding areas for over 25 years and is ready to add you to their long list of satisfied customers. Contact them today for a free quote through their website, www.masterlawninc.com or call 901-250-0873. With summer here, are you looking to start renovating? Well, North Mississippi Dumpster is the local business you want to contact. All you have to do is head over to DeSotoDumpsters.com. You'll be able to find all of your pricing and sizing needs. They are open seven days a week and have fantastic prices. They carry 13 and 20 yard roll-off dumpsters that are in great conditions so you don't have an eyesore sitting in your yard or on your job site. They service DeSoto, Tate, Marshall, and Tunica counties. So visit them at DeSotoDumpsters.com or give them a call at 901-299-0916. They're really going to make this vote difficult with how they answered those questions. And I've got to say, I don't think we are in bad hands either way. Couldn't agree with you more, Cash. Both guys are phenomenal candidates, and we're in a win-win scenario. I can tell you personally, your vote is a winning vote either way you choose. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, unfortunately, we don't really have a sports section in the common to where we're going to give you a whole bunch of scores, but we do have some events happening in the area. Like the Mid-South Girls Hockey Club is having a pizza social on June the 13th at 1.30 p.m. Also, the last day to register for the Olive Branch Youth Football and Cheer League is June 5th at 9 a.m. to noon. Registration takes place at the First Baptist Church, which is at 9155 Highland Street. You can register in advance at www.obyfcl.org. And finally, the DeSoto Lobos are having a trial on June the 4th and 5th at the Olive Branch Park for boys and girls of all ages. But you do need to register at lobosrush.com. So guys, for our last section of the podcast, we want to throw something new in there. Cash came up with the idea of offering a debate. Now, of course, we're in the election season, so of course, this makes total sense. But through this entire summer, we're going to bring up a lot of unique things to debate or talk about or have opinions, and we're going to involve a lot of our listeners when it comes to this. So he's got a good one, and it's in honor of the new mugshots that is coming into town in Olive Branch, right there next to the Malco, which, by the way, if you haven't been lately, is a phenomenal experience. They have reserved seating, 
Uh, the grill, it's not, a, and it's basically a restaurant, not a concession stand, is doing phenomenal stuff. My wife and I just went the other night, and it'll lead to a movie review that we're planning on doing next week. So look forward to that. But Cash, what are we going to debate this week? Well, seeing as I'm somebody that just loves arguing for no real reason and playing devil's advocate, I decided to throw this one at you. Can you have too much meat on a sandwich? Do you want me to answer first? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, The answer is absolutely yes. Oh, oh, man. We're going to agree on something right out of the gate. I like it. I have to say that I used to say the more the merrier because, you know, I'm a tub of lard who thinks that buffets (laughs) should be the normal. Absolutely. I I couldn't Uh, agree with that more. I like the idea of, you know, eating until your ears hurt because, you know, you're that fool. Your eyes are starting to change colors from the, you know, the taco seasoning or. Well, I mean, I remember there was a coach that said you could only get one plate before you played at this buffet. And then I had a plate that was like double stacked. I had garlic bread as a wall. You know, making sure I got enough in there. I was a growing boy. Oh, there's no doubt. But if you're a real soldier, you put the plate against your body and use your shirt to make sure you catch anything that falls off the side. And you just go ahead and discard the shirt when it's over because the food is what's most important. Exactly. So, yeah, my answer is a no. Uh, I do. I'm sorry. My answer is yes, that you can have too much. I have developed more of quality over quantity now mm-hmm. in my style of eating. I believe in a having a purposeful bite instead of how much you can gorge your swift now. So. <laughs> So, um, in my opinion, five, 10 years ago, how much you can put on there just means I get to have that much more to eat or I get to take to the house to eat later. Well, I mean, there was a TV show on Netflix called You that ended up talking about the perfect bite in the second season. And now that I've started making my own sandwiches, making my own bread like you, I've discovered the greatness that is quality ingredients. And I would much rather get... Everything that encompasses a sandwich, the dressing, lettuce, onion, pickles, relish, whatever you end up putting on it and letting them all kind of sing in harmony than necessarily getting seven pieces of roast beef that who knows where it came from. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, Again, uh, taste and flavor. Uh, enjoyment. You know, I've also learned to slow down eating. That's another Yeah, thing, I haven't developed know. that skill yet. Uh, it's still getting there as fast well, as you can. I say I have. My wife would argue with me greatly. <laughs> she would look at me and go, you basically look like a pig in a trough, and the trough looks like it's in danger. <laughs> you know, that's how she likes to describe me. But anyway, I'm just saying, yeah. I would say the debate, least anything, is in pick food wisely. Pick things that are going to be delicious, well-made, fresh, local. I mm-hmm. think that's another big deal. Um, and, you know, enjoy yourself. And so it wasn't much of a debate, but I say, hey, that's a good conversation starter. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And go ahead and let us know how y'all feel. Can there be too much meat on a sandwich? Or are you more like us now, a little bit more sophisticated and think it's all about the perfect bite? Wow. Did you just say we're sophisticated? Absolutely. Shame on you. Anyway, guys, also, if you're enjoying what you're listening or if you are an advertiser or own a business that wants to be advertised on our podcast, please reach out to us. You can reach us at theobpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at obpod. Guys, we really, really appreciate y'all listening to this episode, and we ask you to please share our post that has our audio uh, tag links on it through Facebook and through Twitter. This really helps build our podcast because we're really trying to help build the community. Uh, Our new hashtag is going to be Promote your community. And that's something we're going to really try to stress from this point forward as something that is trying to remain positive and help the citizens understand what good local news we have, what can happen around you, services that are available, just being a positive outlook for a community that really deserves it. And truly, this episode couldn't have been done without y'all, your amazing questions, and then just giving us the support to actually do 
something like this for our community. So like Zach was saying, we're all about promoting our community, promoting your community and making sure everybody feels involved. As well as guys, make sure that you check out our brother podcast under the water tower, which is based out of Hernando that covers a lot of the same information we do here. They are a great group of guys have a lot of great information and they are covering some great events as well as Mississippi music, the a fair, which happened last couple of weeks. Absolutely. Now, guys, remember every sponsor that joined us on this show that we have discussed, they have donated their money and their time to make sure this podcast is available. Please check out all their locations and all their services they offer. They truly are some great people. But we're going to call it a wrap. And so until next week, I'm Zach. And I'm Cash. We'll see y'all then.